Hey there, welcome back to the Etsy Seller Podcast. I'm your host, Cody McGuffey, and today we're talking with Leslie Cole. Super awesome story about how she successfully built her Etsy shop to give her the ability to quit her full-time job. And she also gives us such awesome insight into her new shop launch, which is super exciting. Uh, in today's show, Leslie shares tons of just knowledge that she personally uses to thrive as a full-time online entrepreneur. She talks about a little bit of Etsy, how it's a kind of a side hustle to her side hustle and actually generates a significant amount of passive income for herself. Here's a clip from today's show. In the next month, in the next 30 days, this is the first time anyone's finding out about it other than my husband and my photographer. Um, but we are getting into the mock-up space, which I'm really excited about. Cool. Um, and uh, for the listeners and viewers of this, it is because of Everbe. Truly, I'm not just saying that because I'm on this call. Oh, that's awesome. it, is, it is literally because I used Everbe. Um, so I was working with a client where I do actually Etsy shop builds from the ground up for people okay. that like, they kind of just want to like be hands off in the beginning stages. Let me get it up and running and yep. then they can own it. Right. So I was doing that for a client and I was getting mock-ups for her and it was a space that had not been infiltrated yet. So super awesome episode for you guys today. Again, this podcast is brought to you by Everbee. We are the Etsy growth tool that helps Etsy sellers find winning products and gets more sales. With Everbee, you can see the revenue estimates of a product. You can see how many monthly sales a listing is generating. You can see the tags that each listing is using to actually drive their SEO. Everbee shows you the keyword search volume, you know, so you actually understand what people are searching for, and then you understand what they're actually buying. Okay, it's the tool you guys need to be using to grow your Etsy business. So sign up for free, everbee.io. And without further ado, let's jump into today's episode. <laughs> Leslie, super happy to have me you too. here. Me too. <laughs> yeah, let's dive into Very your story. Excited. Like I'm excited to like share with the audience, like what I know a little bit about you and I know you're absolutely crushing it on Etsy and you do a lot of things with Etsy. How did you even come to Etsy to begin with? Yeah, good question. Um, so I actually started in 2017 um, on uh, the like homemade because that's, you know, when Etsy was more handmade kind of stuff before mm -hmm. they started allowing it to be more e-commerce based. Um, so back in the handmade days, I was doing um, homemade or handmade home decor with my husband. Cool. Um, so he was the woodworker and I was like the painter and the designer for all of them. Um, so I started there and we basically did we're honestly still kind of doing it, but like very, very minimally now, like sure. for mom at Christmas kind of thing. Um, but uh, we'll still do, you know, kind of sprinkled in jobs now and then. But we that actually that store did significantly well for us. Cool. Um, and it was kind of like a we both had full time jobs at the time. So it was more of just like we love traveling. Um, and that was always my goal was like to travel kind of full time or live in an RV and like do our own thing. So um we we found very quickly that the manual work was it was a lot it was like we were both working you know until minimum 5 or 6 p.m in our regular jobs and then working about four more hours to build wood and then every saturday and sunday was committed to it whatever um so we loved that and it fulfilled its purpose during that season of life um but then it just got me into etsy like so much more where I saw that there was just such a wide variety of things that can be done from the digital space to the handmade space to the, obviously the POD space, which I'm in now. Um, so that's where I really started. And then because I love time freedom, um, I decided to go into more of like the automated things where it could kind of be like set it and forget it as a digital okay. download or for print on demand. I basically make all the designs in house, but then someone else can fulfill it for me. 
Okay. There's so much that I want to unpack. Um, totally. what, were you, what were you doing there? What were you, you and your husband, what was your jobs? Just like generally. Yeah, speaking. for sure. Absolutely. So, um, I worked for a small consulting firm in Georgia in the property management space okay. during this period. And I also was like a property manager as well. So it was kind of like so unrelated, so unrelated to, Etsy oh yeah, commerce, not the same. And I bring <laughs> it this just up because... wasn't paying for my travel bills. So Understood. And the reason why I bring this up is because so many of our sellers are like brand new, right? I mean, when I say brand yeah. new, like within a year of starting e-commerce, they, they don't, they're just figuring it out. Yeah. Um, so hearing this story is actually very inspiring to them and, and gives nice. them hope because they're in a job right now. They, they are in a situation where they have debts, they have like financial obligations. Maybe they want more time freedom and they don't have it. And exactly. they're searching for that. So they found Etsy and they're like, oh, I heard about this Etsy thing. You can potentially do that, mm-hmm. but I don't know how. And like, I don't even right. know if it's possible. And that's literally what they're trying to like under- make sense in, in their head. Is, yeah. is this even possible to do this? And there's a bunch of doubts that pop in their head. Like, I can't do it. I have no skills. It doesn't transfer to e-commerce, Etsy. Like, why, why should I be successful in this? But here we are with Leslie. And she mm-hmm. just told you that she came from real estate, property management, Right. Not even real estate, the like student apartments, like not good stuff. (laughs) Right. Okay. So, and I'm sure you've been humble about that and that's immodest about that. That's fine. (laughs) But, but either way, like you're coming from something unrelated and you're learning a brand new skill, a set of skills actually of e-commerce and this Etsy thing. And I know that there's so much grit and so much like adversity you need to fight through to become successful. And now just let's just fast forward for a second. You know, yeah. have multiple Etsy shops. It sounds like yep. um, you're wildly successful in those things. You also do other things like coaching other Etsy sellers and stuff like that, empowering other women to to succeed in this journey of theirs, which is amazing. Anyway, just kind of recapping that for them. Let's jump into the actual things that you're doing now, print on demand and yeah. digital downloads. Yeah. So um, I actually, in the next month, in the next 30 days, this is the first time anyone's finding out about it other than my husband and my photographer. Um, but we are getting into the mock-up space, which I'm really excited about. Cool. Um, and uh, for the listeners and viewers of this, it is because of Everbee. Truly, I'm not just saying that because I'm on this call. Oh, that's awesome. it, is, it is literally because I used Everbee. Um, so I was working with a client where I do actually Etsy shop builds from the ground up for people okay. that like, they kind of just want to like be hands off in the beginning stages. Let me get it up and running and yep. then they can own it. Right. So I was doing that for a client and I was getting mock-ups for her. And it was a space that had not been infiltrated yet. Um, and it was not oversaturated because it's basically like female with like pretty hair and, you know, yep. the white or the ash is like what's out there. Um, so we found, and I'm not going to speak on it because don't steal it from me, but <laughs> um, but we, we found three markets that have not been like saturated yet. Awesome. So we're actually jumping into that. And it was literally because of the research that I did with Everbee, which was awesome. Uh, so we're so super cool. excited. Yeah. Super, super excited. So thank you for this awesome platform for that, because I wish I could like turn my computer. It's like 400 t-shirts over here, <laughs> like nice. ready to go for our photo shoot literally happening tomorrow morning. So that's where we are going. And we have been in print on demand in God, when did I start that? Um, 20, 2019, I believe is when we started print on demand. Um, and then obviously when COVID hit, it became a little bit, uh, more necessary. (laughs) Um, so we went really, really hard in the 2020, 2021 year, Um, And then in 2022, obviously it evolved, which is the reason I named my business Evolution, um, because I want to continuously be evolving with the market. It turned into kind of teaching people how to do it. Um, So that's kind of the, you know, trajectory from 2017 to now. That's amazing. You're a successful seller, obviously. And people, they always ask me, like, how do you define successful? Like, 
and obviously you take Amazon FBA and you take another like Shopify and like the numbers are always different. Oh, what, sure. what equals success, right? How do you define Etsy success? And as far as like a, from a revenue standpoint or profit standpoint, how yeah, do you yeah. view that whole thing? And then would you mind sharing sure. numbers specifically? Like how have you done like in the past totally. like, or when, what would you expect in one year or, or total cumulative? Mm-hmm. However you want to describe it. For sure. So don't get me wrong. I would love to be the hundred K plus seller that mm-hmm. just does Etsy. Absolutely. That'd be awesome. Don't get me wrong, but that's not what made sense for my life. Um, yep. Just because I personally, I just love teaching um, and I love offering marketing services to clients. That's where my proficiency is. That's love where I, I love to live. Right. So, and I love, you know, creating videos, obviously being on TikTok and stuff. I like that kind of interpersonal thing. Um, so I personally do, I would say around like, I don't have my numbers up in front of me, but I would yeah. say like yeah. no less than 1500 passively on a monthly basis. And we've gone up to around 8,000 at the highest mark. Um, And that was like one off like Christmas. So it's like, I don't want that to be like, oh, you could get 8K a month. Absolutely could. But for me and my husband, it just is a really, really awesome side hustle to our side hustle, if you will, Um, because I obviously am a full-time freelancer and agency owner. So I do Etsy as I have like my umbrella and then I've got my verticals all under it, Etsy being one of them. I love Um, it. So yeah, so that's what we personally decided to do. Um, If the mock-up thing takes off and it's 100K, by all means, I'll be able to travel a lot more, but I will still do my normal yeah, you know, freelance you, business. Because you love that side of things. You're, right. you are you love the teaching side of things, the coaching side of things, the yes. agency side of things. And that's exactly. great because you found the thing that you love. And then Etsy right. more is like a side income to, to the other things. Right, which is, exactly. Which is amazing, right? Because that's what like, again, not all the sellers here all want, aspire to be a full-time Etsy seller. That's mm-hmm. not like, right. that's not all their goals. That is a lot of them, mm-hmm. but- that doesn't have to be your goal. Uh, exactly. you know, it could just $1,500 a month passively. When I say passive, we probably, we all know. I'll say right. Everyone like hates that word on passive. right now. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. It's like 80% passive. It takes work, um, but not a lot of work. And you can scale it usually. Um, mm-hmm. But the point is like, that's amazing income, right? That's yeah, that's, that's a mortgage payment in some cities, right? Exactly. And that's certainly groceries. And that's certainly like, it gives you the, the confidence, the platform to grow from there. And you're not even focusing only on Etsy. Like right. if you wanted to focus exactly. on Etsy, exactly. that thing can 10X. But that's yeah, not And that's focus. the thing is me and my husband have talked about that many times too, is like, I don't want to, but if we did, I could easily pull back on everything that I'm doing in the mm-hmm. other verticals and focus all of that time and energy on Etsy. And we easily could, I don't want to say easily. It's not yeah, easy. Yeah. Don't take Simply. that and run with it. <laughs> um, but like we could knowing where we're at without literally doing anything. Like I just get beeping, beepings, you know, like every day. And it's because I put in the effort. I did the research. I know what sells. Um, I made very, very unique designs that like not one person had on Etsy. So it's like, I was very, very intentional with the products that we built. Like my store has like 27 items. It's nothing even crazy, but if I wanted it to be, it absolutely could. So, so that's kind of to show that like you could go all in and kill it or you can kind of do what I do and then just have that kind of like supplemental piece that kind of just is, if anything were to happen in my other businesses, like I got something to fall back on that's just doing its thing in the background for me. I love it. Um, you have gone into multiple markets, uh, sounds like with different shops and stuff like that. Uh, how do you identify the market? For example, you just went into this one, but like, what are the, some of the criteria, what are some of the things that you look for? Cause right now, a lot of sellers are looking for their, for their niche. Totally. They're, yeah. They're, they're searching for it. What do you do? So, what, what are the things? so the first thing I do, and this is what I tell all of the girls that I work with too. Um, I want you to think about something that you enjoy and that you could be passionate about, but don't make items or designs that you would buy. 
like don't like just go into it being like oh i like this i'm gonna make it because that doesn't necessarily mean that everybody else is gonna like it either so for me i am really i wish i could like show you i have like a bunch of horror oriented stuff on this side of my wall not in my zoom corner um yep. but i am very very into like horror true crime like always have been it's just my weird personality yep. um but then i also really really love sports um so i've been uh, not really as much anymore but like i was in sports journalism for college like that's what i i was I was uh, University of Florida. I was a Gator and my dad like took me to all the games, you know, so that's what I grew up on. So that kind of like uh, niche and like um, if the SEC is like a whole different ball game. If you haven't ever been down there, it's like a it's a cult following. Yep. Um, so down there, it kind of just it made sense to kind of be in spaces that I enjoyed. Yeah. Exactly. And the reason why I say that's step one, because that's only step one. But like the reason I say that step one is why would I put myself into a space where I I don't like making designs? <laughs> like, it's not something I'm passionate about. It's not something that like would be, you know, interesting to me if I saw it on the shelf, right? So that's the first thing that I personally do. Okay. And then I make that list of like five or 10 things that I'm like, I could be interested in flowers. I could be interested in RVs, whatever it is. Okay. And then I take that and make it very, I am a, an analytical person. Everyone that I work with knows that I am very, very numbers driven. I've always said like my mentor, when I was like 2011, when I was like 20, taught me numbers tell a story. And that is, has stuck with me. And now I'm th almost 31. So that's stuck with me for literally what, 10 years, you know, um, that I take those and then I have put them into Etsy. I put them into Everbee. Um, I put them into Google search. Um, I put them into Amazon, wherever I can go to find, do these things actually make sense? Are people looking for these things? Is there a market? There and market? then the third step is the market too oversaturated where I'm just going to be white noise. How do you figure um, that out? So basically it's um, like for the mock-ups, for example, like we talked about, it's like the girls with the white background and the blonde hair all over the place. Okay. Doesn't make sense. I don't have blonde hair, so it's perfect. But like, it's, it doesn't make sense for me to go that route. But what does make sense is, you know, whatever X, Y, and Z I decided to do. Um, so like, let's say, um, I don't know, let's just say uh, like mom, moms are everywhere on Etsy, right? Because usually it makes sense. That's what they're buying. That's the people that are on that are buying. Um, so it does not make sense. First of all, it's not on my list of things that interest me because I'm not a mom. I can't speak yep. to the things that moms could. So first of all, it would have died with option one. <laughs> uh, yep. But if I made it all the way to option or to step three, I would see that that is just a super oversaturated market by researching on like through those four kind of outlets that okay. I said a second ago. So personally, I would pop it into Etsy, mom t-shirts, um, mom, or just honestly, like gifts for mom is probably where I would start because it doesn't have to be t-shirts. We know that sure. it could be candles. It could be SVG downloads. It could be whatever. So I'd probably say gifts for mom or something of that kind of keyword, key, uh, right. long tail key phrase to figure out which ones are doing the best and then go into that one and see if it's oversaturated. So I kind of have like, again, a very data driven process of determining if these even make sense or not. If someone like, let's say a mom gift and you see a candle, that's like just mom candles seems like they're crushing it for some reason. Yeah. Uh, how do you determine, okay, Hey, this is oversaturated or this is too competitive or there's mm -hmm. an opportunity here. Like, is it just a feel like a gut mm -hmm. feeling at this point of like, I feel like I can, like there's a space for me or is it like, a so data? I think, so let's say we type in gifts for mom. 
Mm -hmm. I actually saw this one the other day that made me laugh out loud and I'm not a mom, but it was funny because I would make one for myself. Um, it was like a uh, mom's last nerve. Oh, look, it's on fire. And I was like, <laughs> like, I literally spit nice. out my water. I was like, that, yeah. that's good. You know, like that made me laugh. I'm not even a mom. So what I would do then is be like, okay, they're killing it. How old are they? Like, how long has that listing been alive? Because if it's been three years and yeah, they're killing it because they've been okay. there for a so while. So it's got, right? it's, it's got seven grand, seven, seven thousand right. $7,000 in revenue, for example. And it's got, it's been on there for like four months. Right. Yeah. So check. That, exactly. I'd be like, check. Then okay. what I would do is type in that exact, like the keywords that they used okay. um, or just the candle itself. A funny and, mom candle exactly. or something like that. Right. Then take that, put it into Etsy. Exactly. So I'll pop right. that right back in the exact same way that I did gifts for mom. Pop that back up into the search bar. And then if I see that that's the only one of those, check. And then I will make something comparable to it, not copy by any means. I will just use it as inspiration. Like what would make me laugh just like the way this one did and still kind of have the same vibe where maybe it's an amber jar with a black top. Something like that, that did, it obviously did well for a reason. It got a rise out of people that made them laugh. So what can I do to be comparable in that space. Got it. Okay. And so, so really if there's one, okay, got it. Is there space for you? If there's two, there's right. three, there's four, there's five, it's probably, I would think space. up to five. I think okay. we're good. But if I see, like I said earlier, going back to the mock-ups thing, like 50 on the first page, all look exactly the same. Why would I be able to stick out on that? I'd gotcha. probably not choose it. Gotcha. Okay, cool. Fair enough. Um, gosh, time is going back so quickly, but, uh, <laughs> I want to dive into so much. What do like, what do you think the mindset is that you have to have to be a successful seller? Um, because okay. I'm switching gears a little bit, right? It's a more no, mindset thing, but that's like, it's a main thing, right? I talked to a lot of sellers. Some are brand new. I have family that are like just jumping into Etsy mm -hmm. and they're having some success and I love seeing it, but also there's like these, these valleys of despair, right? They're in yep, ebbs and flows. Yep. Ebbs and flows. And, um, can you talk about a little bit about what it takes to actually overcome some of those, those doubts, those uncertainties, those fears. And like, totally. that's actually, yeah, it's actually what I'm going through right now. So it's perfect timing. Cool. Um, I wouldn't say insecurities or doubts or anything, but I, I believe the answer to that question is uh, proper preparation. And again, I'm a data driven person. So the proper research. So if you know that like McDonald's, for example, as a brand, they knew that Burger King, I'm just making this up as I go, but like Burger King had all of these things that performed very well in the market. I'm gonna go do the exact same thing, make it a little better. And they're performing well in the market, right? So if you can make absolutely sure, theoretically, without actually trying it, you know, by all the research that you can get done for yourself, it's going to set you up in a better space to mm -hmm. feel more confident in what you're doing. So that's number one. Um, I personally did not do well at this over the past two months, but again, because I'm focusing on other things, but, um, our, the, the bulk of our, um, store, one of our print on demand stores that we have is football oriented, um, football season ended last Sunday. So now I am like, we, you know, and it's, and I didn't personally do the prep that was needed to make it where it's not just a no it's a plateau or even goes up or it stays consistent whatever because what I should have done and what I am doing now you know like what I should have done is prepared and knew what was coming up so I like to call it like just like in that preparation of like knowing what's upcoming over the next 90 days for your target audience so Mother's Day, for example, it's coming up in May. You should yep. probably be prepping for it right now. Um, and you should probably be doing that research right now. Uh, school 
ending and graduation is another really big thing for moms. You should probably be prepping for that now if you're in that space, summer, back to school in August, whatever. So I personally like to look at it at a fiscal year okay. of what is going to be happening in the lives of the people that I'm trying to target yep. to make myself feel more confident in that. Um, so that's what I would say first is that that preparation piece of preparation it. gives you and, and wrapping this back to mindset, it's, it's, it's just to give you confidence, really, right, right? Exactly. About to, to keep going when it kind of gets dark, because it gets dark right. a little bit, right? Where you like, <laughs> right. you spend a lot of time, you spend a lot of energy, you spend a lot of money on like listing these products, mm -hmm. and none of them are really selling. Mm -hmm. And, um, or maybe you're having a downtime, which is super real, by the way, thank you for sharing that, because oh, like, that's, sure. that's real. And like, mm -hmm. you know, we, we talked to a lot of sellers in it, or you see the YouTube videos, you TikTok, and you see like, everybody just seems like they're just going up, right? Yeah, up right. Right. And everybody's sales are just crushing, but that's not reality. Um, right. Reality is what you just said, like time, ebbs and flows of the business and your mindset. Yeah. Uh, when you kind of do get down a little bit, let's say when you're, I don't know if you can go back to like when you're first starting on Etsy or first starting entrepreneurship, okay. uh, what are some other things that like you would tell a seller, you know, when they're in that dark time, when they have maybe two sales or they yeah. have 10 sales and they're like, ah, oh, it's like, I see a little bit of the light, but I don't, but I lose, but I lose sight of it. What would you, yeah. how would you encourage them to move forward? So I think it kind of goes back to the prep thing again, in a way where if you have, um, so like, let's say your goal is to make, just making this up as I go, but like 2000 a month is the goal. Okay. Yep. Everyone that's like, I want to make 10 K a month. Like that's awesome. But what does 10 K mean? And I like to break it down to brass tacks of 2000. I So I have my average um, my life, my customer lifetime value is averagely like $35 or whatever the case may be, or the average shirt. If I take everything that I have is 30 bucks, whatever. So how many of those do I need to sell to get to that 2000? And then also yep. knowing since I'm in personally in the print on demand space, it actually needs to be double that Next because I'm margin. spending money exactly on things. So, so I would say kind of, again, the prep thing is if you just like wait for the dings from Etsy, it's not going to work. Like, yes, think, I mean, hopefully you did your SEO right. And your, your mock-ups are incredible and your photos and your videos are great, whatever, but like, you cannot rely on fully Etsy to bring you things in and just hope that it works. So that's what I would say first is to figure out what your big income goal is and break it down into smaller goals. And then just know, okay, today, in order to make 2k by the end of this month, I need to sell two shirts today. Ding, ding. We're good. The next day I need to sell four shirts. Ding, 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 ding. We're good. Yeah. Right. So that's what I would say there. And again, kind of the prep space, but I also want to go back really quick to the, you cannot rely on Etsy to run your business. Etsy is its own business. They're doing their own thing. They're doing just fine. So you can't expect the them to send you all the traffic. Yes. You can pay for Etsy ads. Yes. You can do, you know, opt into opt uh, out, what's it called? Offsite ads. ads. Yep. You can do that all day long, but you need to be driving traffic to your store. You yeah. need to be on social media. You need to have email marketing. You need to do whatever you have to do to make sure that those sales come comparatively to being sad when they don't. Yeah. So it's basically being like taking ownership, right? Taking full responsibility exactly. of your success versus just like, yeah. I'm starting an Etsy and my Etsy sales, they suck. They're down. I hate Etsy, right? And right. It's like, <laughs> exactly. You know, like Etsy sucks. And it's like, no, wait, like, your business, Etsy's a business, mm -hmm. like own your business. And mm -hmm. like to, to be a business owner, it's hard. Like right. to be clear, like it's hard. And anybody that says it's <laughs> yes. easy is, is, is lying or they just don't Very understand. They, they've right. never owned a business. It's actually a hard thing. There's a lot of things that go into it, but it's mm -hmm. simple. Like it can be very simple. Um, mm -hmm. And I think the, what, I, what I see, and I'm curious what your opinion is, is like, I see the lack of curiosity sometimes with sellers, um, brand new mm -hmm. sellers, almost like right. they, 
they think they just need like a listings and then like images and like descriptions, and descriptions right throw it up and it'll sell um yep, and, call it a day yeah and that's it basics yes you're right yes but, but like the the seller should also think long more longer term like i'm going to be in this right. thing in the next five or ten years so therefore right. i should better i better just understand everything about e-commerce um yep. the fundamentals right the con- right. like conversion rates uh average order values what is lifetime mm-hmm. lifetime value yeah. of a customer right. you don't need to know all these things yet but the curiosity needs to be there to like huh i wonder what that is you know Absolutely. i wonder what return on ad spend is right mm-hmm. like i wonder what these things are you don't need to know them all but like you should at least be thinking there's a lot more for me to learn right and it, it, it sparks something in our brain to actually read the books, to listen to the podcast, mm-hmm. to watch the YouTube channels versus just being like, I think I know it all. How come I'm not getting sales? <laughs> right. You know? And that's, yeah. there's so much more. It's go deeper. Um, my my, yeah. cur- my encouragement to, to sellers that are fairly new is go deeper. There's more, yeah. there's more, there's more. Uncover more. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's funny too, because my, um another thing I've stuck with me for years is um, if I am the smartest person in the room, I'm in the wrong room. And that's what I say all the time. Um, so I think for this is a perfect example where even now, like even after the success that I've experienced, the freelance business that I build, blah, 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 I'm reading Atomic Habits right now. Mm-hmm. I just right got it. done reading Nuclear Effect. Um, so it's like I, I'm always consistently learning. That's one of my core values in my business is like ABL is what we call it. So it's always be learning. Mm-hmm. Um, so no matter what that is, like it doesn't matter if I hit the 100K on Etsy, I'm still going to like be like, how can I do more? And not in a like I'm never satisfied way because that does sound a little bad, but like just always trying to be evolving into whatever, like you said, that goal is, um, because I do personally, and I tell all my girls this too, I've had so many discovery calls of girls just being like, I saw your TikTok. I want to do Etsy too. And I'm like, cool. What, uh, what niche do you want to be in? What target audience do you want? What products do your target audience already looking for? And then they have no idea what I'm talking about. Because like you said, it seems, it seems like an easy, sometimes like get rich quick kind of thing. And it's not, it's truly a business. And if you don't own it, like a business owner, it, it really won't succeed. You might get a couple of trickled sales here Mm -hmm. and there. And that's awesome. Congratulations. Um, but it will not be a sustainable business model. I totally, totally agree. I, we have a saying, what is it? Um, you've probably heard it before, but it's like, a, if you treat it like a hobby, it's going to pay you like a hobby. Oh, absolutely. hundred you know? percent. And um, yep, if you only yeah. do it on Saturday mornings, like expect sales on Sundays and that's it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And hobbies don't pay very well. In fact, Amen. we, we pay for hobbies. So right. uh, total, <laughs> I like, totally agree. Um, awesome. Where can people find you? Like you have so much knowledge to share. You share a bunch of stuff for free. Where can mm-hmm. they connect with you? Totally. Yeah. So I make it really easy. Evolution freelancing on TikTok and Instagram and Twitter and everything else for that matter. Um, But it's E-V-O-L-U-S-H-E-N freelancing. Um, So I did that in the the bio in the description. Yeah, perfect. Exactly. All that stuff. Yep. Um, and then you can easily find, so Evolution Design spelled the exact same way, but designs instead of freelancing is the website that will show you everything. Awesome. And then you mostly are helping, who who do you help? I guess, tell us who you help. So I, um, I actually built my business. The reason why we spell it weird um, is I always wanted to be evolving, like I mentioned earlier, but I do, um, I, my biggest goal in life is to big, like build the biggest, baddest girl gang of just female entrepreneurs. So I do only work one-on-one privately, um, like in a coaching capacity with females only. Um, and then I do have a private Facebook group. Um, I think we're around like 300 or 350 now that is strictly females that are looking to grow 
their businesses or to like create from scratch. Um, so that's usually who I work with, but I also, that's like 50% of my business. The other 50% is I actually do like marketing services for brands across the world. Awesome. Very cool. So inspiring. Um, let, let's oh say my God. You. Thanks. <laughs> no, seriously. No, thank you. And you've added tons of value. I'm sure there's a million other questions that people want me to ask you and I have yeah. questions in my head too, but for the sake of time, um, we'll wrap it up and really appreciate Sounds you coming good. on. Yeah, for sure. We'll Absolutely. have to have you on again and talk about specifics. Yes, subjects. I am always here. You know it. <laughs> cool. Okay. I'll see you later. Sweet. Thanks guys. See ya. Bye. Hey there, and welcome to the SSLR podcast. I'm your host, Cody McGuffey. And today we're talking with Steven Chin about how he successfully built his Etsy shop to generate over $2.5 million in sales with only 400 listings. He sells in four product categories, which is pretty rare. In today's show, Steven shares many strategies that he's personally using to thrive as a full-time seller. Here's a clip from today's show. When you find these success attributes, like you like, what are five things I need to have on a listing level? And what are five things that I need to have on a design level? What you'll see is like this shop, the shop one that I scraped, they're doing maybe three out of the five things on the listing level and maybe four of the five things on the design level. I'm going to do five out of five on the listing and yep. five out of five on the design. Shop number two that I, that I, that I scraped is maybe doing two out of five things on the listing level and like three out of five things on the design. Well, I'm going to do five out of five and five out of five. So you're offering a better listing yep. and a better design for what's converting in the markets. We have an awesome episode for you guys today. Again, this podcast is always brought to you by Everbee. Everbee is the growth tool that helps Etsy sellers find winning products on Etsy, get more sales, shows you the revenue of each product listing, shows you the tags that, that each listing is using to drive their SEO. We show you the keyword search volume for each specific keyword. So you know what people are actually searching for on Etsy, and then you actually know what they're actually buying on Etsy. Okay, it's a tool that you guys need to be using to grow your Etsy business. So sign up for free at everbee.io. And enough of that, let's jump into today's episode. Tell me how you got started with Etsy. Like, how did you get here? Yeah, so I first found out about the opportunity of selling on Etsy about two and a half years ago. So at that time, I was pretty fortunate that I had already been selling online for about three years. So I already had the foundation of like what it took to sell on a third party marketplace like Etsy. So it was about two and a half years ago, you know, peak of COVID, June 2020, uh, a mutual friend of ours, you know, Jesse, super successful Etsy seller. Um, his family was visiting us for a week. And I just remember him saying like, bro, I launched face masks on Etsy two weeks ago. And he like shows me his phone. I'm like, bro, you made $3,000 today. Yep. So he's like, dude, wow. I've been making three to $4,000 a day selling face masks on Etsy. He's like, I know you're working on other projects right now, but like you should go launch face masks on Etsy. <laughs> so I was like, I'm sold. I, I'm stopping everything. I'm launching face masks on Etsy. What, what's next? So he's like, he's like, buy this printer, buy this heat press, you know, buy these masks. He's like, don't copy me, but good luck. <laughs> so I love that. Okay. So real quick on that. So that's, and I know some of that backstory, which, and I relate to so much this, um, but to, for everybody listening, like you started on Amazon. Yep. Uh, and, and I started on Amazon too, which is funny. Uh, and then we, we went the Amazon FBA route, Amazon route and found like decent success. You found decent success there, but like you came across as like opportunity and you're just like, wow, this face mask thing. Plus this Etsy thing. You already had the fundamentals of e-commerce. So really it's a matter of just like plug and play type of thing, right? It's a new platform, but really it's all the fundamentals are the same. Uh, is that correct? Yeah. hundred percent. Correct. Yeah. So literally what I would have done on Amazon is what I did on Etsy. So I, I spent the next week, the time it took all the equipment to come in. So I didn't do print on demand. I actually was doing it manual. So I bought the, you know, the equipment, the presses, the yep. printers. So the time it took all that equipment to arrive, it took about a week. 
I spent that time like launching the Etsy account, doing the research, creating the designs, launching the listings. So that way when everything came, I literally just turned everything on. Yep. And so it was like the day one, I got like 17 sales. Day two, I got like 30 sales. Day three, I got like 60 sales and 120 then 300 and like 500 sales a day by day five, I love which that, was, man. which was absolutely crazy. But like, keep in mind, like this was hand printed masks that yep. I had to do by myself in the garage, in the dark. Like I, I joke that like, I didn't have gray hair two and a half years ago, yep. <laughs> that launching face masks, you know, gave me gray hair. So I was working like 16 hours a day. Uh, for like the next 90 days straight yep. where like we grew out of my garage and like the first two weeks had like, you know, like 15, 20 employees by like two months. We had like that first October. So like three months later, we did like $200,000 revenue. We were doing like 800 to a thousand masks a day. It, it, it just ramped up to the moon. Yeah. But like, as you know, like, like January that next year, like mandates ended and the business died just as fast as it ramped yeah. up. Like we were doing like 500 masks a day. Then it went to like five masks a day overnight. Yep. Which is so real quick on that, let's pause because like most people would look at this, not most people, a lot of new, newer Etsy sellers or maybe existing Etsy sellers would look at like, oh, Steven's so lucky. He like fell into this like face mask thing and he that's that's how he got successful. Um, but in reality, like that wasn't the case, right? Like you weren't so lucky, obviously, right? There's so many trials in there, I'm sure. Um, but also just like recognizing the opportunity that was there actually, right? Because you had all this like research on the back end, like doing other products and doing working with Amazon, working with a little bit of, you know, maybe Etsy. Uh, but the point is like, you created your own luck and you maximize on this opportunity that was in front of you. And you also probably knew that this wasn't going to last forever. So you knew that like, let's take advantage of this now and then figure out the rest later. Is that like, would you agree? Exactly. Like, like at that time, I think over a hundred thousand other people were trying to sell face masks on Etsy. Etsy was literally emailing their sellers. Like you should launch face masks on Etsy because mm -hmm. they, they couldn't get enough sellers. So, and, and also like I launched, like after they were like blasting out those emails, like it was still like six months later, like hundreds of thousands of people were trying to sell. And I was able to, again, leverage the, the, the skill sets, the fundamentals that I had, the research, uh, and, and like my launch strategy to where I was able to kind of like go blow past the competition competition. I think we ended up being like ranked number 13 on Etsy out of 4.4 million other sellers that year. And we launched That's in June. That's amazing. It's, it really is. Um, Okay, man. So real quick, and we're going to jump into the next phase uh, of Steven's Etsy shop and Etsy businesses too, which is, which I'm excited to next, but, uh, tell us like a little bit of like high level numbers, what, what you're willing to share, like how much revenue have you done on Etsy? Just like in your lifespan of that was two and a half years ago. Yep. So what, how much revenue have you created? Yeah. So with, with the masks, we made a million dollars in the first 11 months. So like my, I made my first million dollars on Etsy with the face masks lifetime, two and a half years, we've done $2.5 million of revenue. Okay. And, so non-masks, 1.5 million in revenue. Correct. Yeah. Okay. So we've now sold more non-masks than we have masks. Yep. So for everybody listening, like if you're thinking like, uh, you know, Steven, all his money came from masks, that's absolutely not true. It's less than 50%. Like mm -hmm. he's, he used, he leveraged like that to jump, get him to jump started in Etsy. And then it sounds like he applied the fundamentals of business on of Etsy success to the next business. Um, Correct. Right. Amazing. So let's move into that next phase. So like now, what did you do? Mass business, you know, it was phasing out. What, what were you doing next? Yeah. So I would say like the masks was like my crash course in Etsy. Okay. Uh, so like when it died, we literally had like come to like a stopping point. Like, do we want to do something different, go back to Amazon, or do we want to continue building this Etsy business? So at that time I've like fallen in love with Etsy. I've fallen in love with owning a print shop, selling print products on Etsy, being a boss, you know, my employees, the culture and things like that to where like we decided to, instead of starting something different to just rebuild our current business. So we took the money from the masks. We took the knowledge from building out that business and, and selling print products to just launch more print products on Etsy. 
Okay. So we spent the next 1.5 years launching this, um, four different print product categories, the exact same process that we use for the masks, uh, to, I think total, we've sold like 190,000 things so far. Amazing. Um, so there's so much in there that I want to pull out of you. Uh, um, first of all, you have a mask business, you have a bunch of reviews. So I imagine you would probably leverage that same shop and probably just remove all the mask listings and like use the same shop. Is that what you did? Exactly. Yeah. So we, 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 we leveraged the reviews. So that way, when we launched into the next product category, we launched, I think we had like 7,000 reviews. We launched with 7,000 reviews, which kind of gave us like a higher conversion rate and a click through rate. And then now I think we have like 20, 21,000 reviews. Amazing. Okay, cool. And then, um, how did you, so when you start from zero, basically starting from like a, you're starting from zero again. Um, yep. How did you, how did you do it? I know you're a big research guy. I'm a research guy. You're a data guy. I'm a data guy. Right. So like we can like nerd out on this stuff all day. Um, and most people actually listening to this is actually kind of nerdy in this way too. Cause like they're ever yeah. be users most of the time and they understand the power of data. Like, how can you like tell them like, what, what did you do? How do you find the next big, big product for you? <clears throat> yeah. So like my background before being like an entrepreneur was like engineering. I went to school for like college for four years to be an engineer. So like, okay. like you mentioned, like, I love the data. I love the numbers. I love the Excel sheets and things like that. Yeah. So I, I've, I've failed enough times in trying to launch businesses online that I've, I know that you can't just like do like, you know, a shotgun approach, a wide net approach, or just hope marketing. Like you have to leverage the tools that are provided. You have to leverage the data and, and make decisions based on data not based on like, you know, passions or hobbies and things like that. So it starts with, you have to find the right product. So you start with, you start with, I start with product, then I go to design. So for most people who are probably listening to this, they're probably doing print on demand and they're probably doing print on demand apparel. So if you've already selected that, like apparel is the product you're going to do, then I move into like design. Uh, and the way that I do that is, um, I call it mirroring. So like, I don't try to like reinvent the wheel or, or add something like innovative to the market. I, I, if something's already selling, there's reasons why it's selling. And I try to like back into the, I call them success attributes, like the mm -hmm. success attributes that are causing this to sell both on a, on a listing level and on a design level. So like using a tool like Everbee, for example, you can scrape shops that are selling apparel that are selling, you know, the kind of designs that you want to sell and the right niches you want to sell. Um, again, on the same marketplace, they're doing the volume that you want to do. Like maybe they're selling 20 shirts a day. Imagine the power if you could scrape their entire store mm -hmm. and you have all the backend information on all their listings, like almost like a sneak peek into their business. And imagine if you did that on 10 more stores, you have like 10 shops, you scrape all of their information, you compile all of that data and you filter it from which one sells the most. So do you see the power in that? Right. So it's like, I'm not just launching designs and hoping that it works. I've, I've, I've find shops that are selling products I want to sell and on, you know, in the same niches that I want to sell in. I, I, I scrape enough information. I filter it based on like which one sells the most. Yep. And then what I do is I start to go through that list and, and I, I go into their listings. This is what I do is I go into like the, the one that ranked at the top of the list. I click into the listing and I ask myself like, why do I think this listing made the top of the list? Like, like what's, what with this listing is causing it to be the most successful out of maybe 10,000 listings. I love is this. It, is it, is it like, like, look at the images, look at the title is, is the, does the main image have a, like an actual model wearing the shirt or just like the, the thing laying flat on the ground? Do they have a display price? Are they free shipping? What are their lead times? Like, what do I think the, on the listing level is causing them to be successful? Yeah. Then I go over to the design. What's with the design that's causing this to be successful? What niche is it in? What colors are they using? What fonts are they using? What placements are they using? And then you just make these notes and then you go down to the next one on the list and then the next one and the next one. So you spend about two hours going through your list. And then you're, this is what I call, this is like, this is literally like market research. 
competitor yep. analysis. Yeah. And then by the end of like two hours of looking into the market, you can say like, wow, if I'm going to launch apparel on Etsy, I need to have this many listings. My main image needs to look like this. My font palettes need to be like this. I need to have graphics that are in these niches using these fonts, using these color palettes. Mm -hmm. And that's what it takes in today's market to be successful. Do you see how that's a little bit more powerful than just like throwing designs up? Yeah, certainly. I mean, it's definitely like a methodical approach to, to, to succeeding, right? Um, not enough people do this. Uh, this is kind of like what I've always kind of believed too, is like, you should be able to back, back out of success. Yeah. Like you see like an, an ideal, right. And then just like reverse engineer that whole thing. Right. Um, exactly. and you're not gonna be hundred percent. Right. And that's okay. But you don't, you don't need to be hundred percent. Right. You only need one product that really crushes it for yeah. you. Right. Like you're one product away from like changing your entire business and changing your probably your whole entire life actually. Yeah. Uh, which is the coolest thing about it. Now, going back up for a second, a lot of people are stuck a little bit on like, okay, they understand they want to sell apparel. They want to sell like shirts or something like that. Right. Um, when I mean, you said, you said niche a couple of times, right. Picking, pick a niche. How do you yep. someone find a niche to sell in? Like, what do you, what do you, what was your approach? Yeah. So, so niche being like, I, I don't believe in selling in a specific niche, like okay. just, just pet products or just, so not to uh, just pet owners. So I, 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 I'm a big believer in, um, just selling all of it, but like, but with, but with oh. your filters, like personally, I wouldn't sell like crude shirts or Gothic shirts or political shirts or things like that. But like, I'm okay with selling like a dog mom shirt and, you know, or like a grandma shirt or all in the same shop. Shirt. So, so the, again, you want to have like a, a super wide top of funnel like and so you can capture more searches if that makes sense yep but um but the question is like how do you find the right product so like i meant like gotcha. i find the product first uh there's so there's ways that you can do that so like what i do the way that i found my last few products you can use a tool like everby where you can do this manually where i start with like a broad search on etsy like i might type in like engagement gift like something super broad and i just start to you know scroll through the page uh of search uh, page one results and I, and I just see like, Hey, like what looks appealing here, looking for like a listing that might have like, you know, three to 5,000 reviews, um, meaning that if they were successful and they launched in the last three years, they're selling about, you know, you know, 20 to 50 a day. So I find something that looks appealing. Maybe if it's like, whatever the product is, I click into it and it's like, Hey, they have 5,000 reviews, but they launched 10 years ago. I'm probably not going to want to launch that. Right. But if I find a product that looks appealing that has like three to 5,000 reviews and they launched two years ago, that means they're probably averaging hundred sales a day. It's like, okay, let's, let's, let's go into this further. So I, I, so I start with a broad search and I start looking for products and then I kind of go dive into it that way. You can also use tools where you can just go into like a, like a, a market, like, like home decor and you can, and it shows you like the top seller on Etsy for 2022. And you can go into all the top shops and just see what are they doing. So again, success leaves clues and there's, and there's tools out there to find those clues. Totally. Yeah. And I think you were kind of going back to like what you were saying about like analyzing specific shops and like actually digging into like what are their best sellers in that specific shop. So it's like mm -hmm. step one, what I'm hearing, I'm extracting this out is like find a best, find a shop like within your niche that's crushing it. Uh, you know, and basically run analytics, ever be analytics on that. You could do this in different ways. You can do it manually, but you could definitely use Everbee to do it. And basically, um, like view all their, like, so, like analyze all their listings. So if they have like 1500 listings, mm -hmm. uh, like Everbee can show you like literally, okay, all 1700. And then you could actually just sort by revenue, sort by total sales, sort by monthly sales. And it literally in a matter of like two clicks can, you can understand, okay, out of all 1500 of these listings. Mm -hmm. like these five are actually carrying the entire shop. Okay. Yeah. I'm not going to make all the other ones. I'm going to make like exactly. something more to these five. And then you put that on your list and then you make that list basically a big, it sounds like a big master list essentially. Exactly. And then as soon as you have that, you study it 
And then at that point, um, after you're studying the list, you move into like more of the execution phase, which is like, mm -hmm. okay, like I need to either make these myself or I need to hire a designer to help me make these or whatever, mm -hmm. right? That, that comes down to like the next, the, the product creation phase. Is that correct? Exactly. And then when you get into the part where you start analyzing these listings to find like the success attributes, this is how you add value to the market. So a lot of people are like, oh, don't copy the competition. And then like, well, how do I make my version of it? When you find these success attributes, like you like, what are five things I need to have on a listing level? And what are five things that I need to have on a design level? What you'll see is like this shop, the shop one that I scraped, they're doing maybe three out of the five things on the listing level and maybe four of the five things on the design level. I'm gonna do five out of five on the listing and yep. five out of five on the design. Shop number two that I that I that I scraped is maybe doing two out of five things on the listing level and like three out of five things on the design. Well, I'm gonna do five out of five and five out of five. So you're offering a better listing yeah. and a better design for what's converting in the market currently. You're so adding that's, that's value really to the market. Yeah, exactly. Like so many people, like they um, they get caught up a little bit on the copying and the copy listings. And obviously, like we would never recommend to just go copy a listing. Like that's not what we're doing. Like what Steven's mentioning here is like you're 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 taking you're modeling the listing or mirroring in his case, right? Yep. And you're basically taking that listing and you're improving it by X percent, right? Twenty percent, thirty percent, sometimes one hundred percent. You're actually making it way more way better for the end seller, which is better for the market. And uh, it's it's a healthy way of growing our entire marketplace, I think. Exactly. So like, and, and by doing it this way, like the chances of the, the listings converting at, at, a, at a profitable conversion rate is way more probable. And then also like by doing it this way too, you're not launching a thousand listings. Like the average POD seller, maybe selling apparel that's doing it successfully, they have a thousand listings. It's like the wide net approach, the, so yep. the shotgun approach. Uh, just how, to many listings, how many listings do you have? Yeah, I was gonna say just to share my numbers, like again, I sell in four different product categories and I have just a little bit over 400 listings. So I'm only launching like a hundred listings per product category, not a thousand. And I'm not hitting like six figures, I'm hitting seven figures. So yeah, that kind of gives you an example of like the power of this. Yep. And also going back to the master list, like our most recent product that we launched, the product that was at the very top of the list, guess what, it's, it's, it's our best seller. It's your the, top the one that was list. number two on the list, it's our second best seller. The one that was number three on the list, it's our third best seller. So it's like, it, it, it gives you enough information. And then if you do the process correct, that it's like, it will be successful. You can trust the process. And, I love it. Yeah. And you're not Real, wasting time. People get discouraged. I'm kind of switching gears just a little bit. People get discouraged when they, when they do this process and they, they create some, a bunch of products. Let's say, let's say they create a hundred products, right? Maybe they do everything the right way. Um, and then certain listings just don't sell for them. Mm -hmm. uh, is that the case for you? Like I believe in the 80, 20 rule. Almost always, yep. it's, it seems to be yep. true. Maybe even ninety ten rule. Meaning, maybe you could just talk about that. Maybe before I even say, like, what does that mean to you? Like in your case, yeah. So like, I, I'm a huge believer in eighty twenty. So like, what that means is like, if I have a thousand listings, or I say I have a hundred listings, or if I have a hundred listings, twenty listings are going to do eighty percent of my revenue. So like, why even bother with the other eighty listings when I can make eighty percent of the profit with you know like four times less work? Yep. So that's that's kind of why I love this process is because I'm doing like one-tenth the work. I'm not launching, you know, a thousand products per category. I'm launching 10 or yep. I mean a hundred. So a, a lot of reasons why listings don't get traction. And this kind of goes into my launch strategies. It's a little bit different, but when you launch a product on Etsy, you're not automatically ranked to page one. So mm -hmm. I use a rule of thumb that 80% of sales happen on page one and the other 20% of sales happen on page two through the rest of the pages. Right? Mm -hmm. So if you're not on page one, you're missing out on 80% of the sales. So the question is like, well, how do I get to page one? So the biggest uh, variable that Etsy looks at for Etsy or for rank is sales velocity, because a sale is a derivative of everything else being done correctly. Like if you have a good listing, a good conversion rate, good customer service, good quality score, 
it leads to a sale, right? Mm -hmm. So sales velocity leads to rank, but that leads that, that begs the question. Well, if I'm on page 15, I'm getting no sales velocity. How am I ever going to get to page one? It's like the chicken and the egg question. Yep. So a lot of people teach that you don't have to use Etsy ads to make money on Etsy. I, I completely disagree. Because <laughs> if, you, if you're organic, so let's say this is your organic, this is your, this is your, your paid listing. If your organic is on page 15, getting no sales, how are you ever going to get ranked to page one? So you turn, you turn on Etsy ads, your Etsy ad is getting paid to be promoted on page one. You start getting sales through your paid listing. That's generating sales velocity. Now your organic listing goes from page 15 to page 14. You get a few more sales on your paid listing. Now it goes from page 14 to page 10, and then eventually goes to page one. And so you're, you're use, I don't use Etsy ads as a tool to make a profit. I use it as a tool to drive rank. So people who are like, Hey, I just got no traction. Like, are you using Etsy ads? Maybe, but is, are you doing like a dollar a day budget or a $5 a day budget? That might be the reason why you can't promote a hundred listings with $5 a day. Um, and I want to make one more point on, on that too, is Etsy ads is not like a cost. It's not a fee, like $5 a day. That's $150 a month. Most people couldn't afford an extra $150 mm -hmm. a month. But Etsy ads are a tool. Like think of it like an ATM machine. Like you put a dollar in, you get $2 back. Yep. Like I was looking at my Etsy stats the other day and I gave Etsy $100,000 in 2022. Like that's a lot of money. But mm -hmm. Etsy gave me $250,000 back. So I gave Etsy $1 and it gave me $2.50 back. So not only was I able to leverage, leverage it as a tool to drive rank for my organic listings, but I was also getting a return on it. So I, I, I'd encourage you to turn on ads at its max budget. And if you're, and if you're losing a little bit of money, if you can afford it, I think it's okay because you're driving rank and like within like one to two weeks, the organic listing will start getting sales and that will offset the potential loss on, on the ads. Or if the ads are, or negative, that might tell you that, Hey, maybe your conversion rate needs to be improved or your click-through rate needs to be improved. Can we talk about click through it? I was actually going to go there next. I'm happy you did. Um, a lot of times people are wondering, you know, what's going on with their ads? Like, why are they not working? Are they working? Like, are they doing good? Are they doing bad? And one yeah. of the, like a lot of things is before they have a sale, obviously you want a positive ROAS, right? And you want ROAS means return on ad spend, but you obviously want sales conversion at the end of the day, but before sales, right? You need to have clicks. Um, what is yep. a solid click through rate that you're kind of targeting for, for your listings? Yeah. So, so I love Etsy ads too, because it gives you data that you can, that you can again, leverage to make decisions moving forward. Yep. So Etsy ads are PPC. Can you hear that? A little bit. It's all good. Okay. Sorry. So, so Etsy ads are PPC pay per click. So if no one's clicking on your listing, you're not giving Etsy any money. So typically you run into three scenarios. One it's successful and you're making money and it's, everything's good or two. You're not, you might have like, Hey, I have a $20 a day budget on Etsy, but like, it's only spending, you know, $5 or three, it's spending all of your money, but you're making no money. So in scenario two, where it's like, Etsy's not spending enough of your money that you want it to spend more money. That, that, that's a click through problem. Cause they're not clicking on your listing. So how can you increase your click through rate? Um, so there's things like, there's only a few things that you can show the customer to entice them to click onto your listing, like your main image, your price point, your reviews. So like if you, so one thing that I do is I have, um, I try to make my main image as enticing as possible Okay. where I, I call it a digital shelf. Like when somebody searches like, you know, mom shirt and they see like a hundred listings, it's almost like a shelf, like where they see all the different products that they can, that they can, they can grab and, and click onto. You need to make your listing like a pattern interrupt. Like if everyone is using like beige shirts and it's just like, it's like, like a sea of just like beige, mm -hmm. maybe put like a, like a dark gray shirt in there. So it's like a pattern interrupt. Or mm -hmm. if everyone is using just like the flat laydowns, put, put someone wearing the shirt in there. So it's like a pattern interrupt. So it's like, here's pops 
and they might click onto it, right? Um, or you can have a lower display price. So those are a few things that you can do to try to get someone to click onto your listing that, okay. that allows you to spend more of your Etsy budget. If you run into the scenario where it's spending enough of your budget, but you're just not getting a return, then you're having a conversion rate because if like a hundred, if you have like a 1% conversion rate, a hundred people might click onto your listing, but only one buys. So that's really expensive. If you're paying for hundred clicks for one purchase. If you can get your conversion rate from a one to five, you just made five times more money. So out of that, those same hundred clicks, you made, you got five transactions instead of one. So there's, there's things you can do on the listing level to try to increase your conversion rate. So I would, I would encourage you guys to like, look at your Etsy ads and then determine, do I have a click through problem or a conversion problem? And then like, how can I increase my, my click through rate or how can I increase my conversion rate? I love it. And you just gave basically strategies on how to do that. <clears throat> um, and to, to clarify the click through rate, the, usually what I would target personally is like a 2% click, click through rate is like kind of where. I feel like it's okay. It's reasonable for me in most cases. Now, yeah. what, do you have a number that you use like as a rule of thumb? Uh, I, I don't. <laughs> so I, 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 I don't. So like, I, I'm just, I'm confident that like by doing the process, we're talking about like finding the right products and the right designs that, uh, and I do have a process for my main image, my price points and yep. then like everything that like, even if I had a click through a problem, like I've optimized it to the best of my knowledge and the best of my ability that where yep. I, I don't know what I could fix to be honest. <laughs> so and that's try. fine. And sometimes, um, yeah, that's, that's great. And then like, tell everybody like average conversion rates, um, like in your, in your shop and your listings, like, what are you kind of generally feeling for conversion rates? Yeah. So for me personally, I think my average, if I, if I look at the full, like, I think I actually looked at this earlier today for the full last, you know, um, 2.5 years, my average conversion rate is 6.5%. So for some people like maybe getting like, are like 3%, 2%. So I'm a little bit above average, but again, like, so because I, I know what customers are looking at to lead to a conversion. So one thing that I did, and like when I figured this out, like it, when, it, when this clicked for me, like this made things so much easier to have a higher conversion rate. So I actually encourage everyone like listening to this, to like go buy something on Etsy. So like go to Etsy and I like type in mom shirt and then you see all the results. It's like, and then when you click onto a listing, ask yourself like, why did I click onto this listing and not that listing? And then, then think, okay, well, how come like that helps your click through rate? Like when you, when you figure out those things that led to that click, right? When you're on the actual listing, like when you, when you, um, add it to cart, ask yourself, like, why did I add this to cart? Did I read the title? Did I even read the description or did I only look at the photos? Most people only look at the photos, the price point, and they add to cart, right? So it's like, if you have really good photos that might help your conversion rate. And then once you're on the cart, did you bounce or did you check out? So like lead times and shipping, shipping rates and post purchase, did you leave a review? Yeah. So like, if, if you can like optimize every single step of the buyer's journey, like make that as fluid as possible, remove as much friction as possible. Your conversion rate is going to be like as optimized as you can possibly make it. So just knowing the buyer's journey and like what people are actually looking at on your listing, um, will help you know, like where you can make improvements. I love it, man. I'm, I'm so, I'm so fascinated because <clears throat> you're more curious, like you're curious about the entire process, right? Um, like so many times sellers, uh, and, and I see experience it every single day and I'm trying to discourage it a little bit. I, they think short-term, they think like, I need money today. And like, how do I do it today? And, mm -hmm. and what happens is and that's fine. It's okay to be like in, you know, in a, in a, in like, you want to, you want to hustle and you want to make it work. That's great. Uh, but a lot of times it like, it makes you leave out all of the, like the curiosity of like understanding, you know, why did, why does, why, you know, some of the fundamentals, like, why should I buy this? Why, why did I click on this? Why did I add this one to cart? Uh, if you miss out on some of those things, you're missing out on the fundamentals and basically yeah. you're just looking for someone to tell me what to do next. And that's fine to like ask questions, but it's, it's better to actually ask you, ask yourself the question of like, how can I improve this? You know, yeah. uh, versus like, Hey, Steven, like, tell me what to do. 
you know, why don't I have sales? Why don't I have sales? Why don't I have visitors? Why don't, you know, and it's, it's better to actually look and like actually ask yourself the question and then think about it. Actually just think about it based on like best practices. Um, but that's what, that's the point of this, the conversation, right? Is hopefully someone can hear that and, and take it. it take exactly. That there's a, there's a huge difference from like memorizing and understanding. Yeah. Like, 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 like I was, went to school for engineering. Like it was one thing to like memorize a formula than that versus like understanding the formula. Like, like mm -hmm. you do way more better when you actually understand the fundamentals Crazy. and how it works. So it's like by, by being curious and poking into things like this, you actually have a fundamental understanding. It makes you make the correct decisions, not only on this product, but on the next product that you launch. So it's like these questions and these fundamentals that I, I've like asked myself and developed these processes based off these, like off my curiosity. Like, like I do it on every single product launch and every single product launch I've had since the face masks has, you know, fortunately been successful, but it's the yep. same process. Yeah, exactly. I love that, man. Um, well, I, there's a million things that we can talk about, right. And I could talk, we could talk about this stuff all day, but I just greatly, greatly appreciate your time and like sharing value with, with our everybody, everybody audience. And, um, and I'm sure you have a million more things that you can share with them, but <laughs> overall, man, um, thank you for your time again. And I just really appreciate it. Of course. Yeah. And thanks for having me. Yeah, of course, man. Okay. Talk to you soon. Later.